0: Welcome back everyone to another edition of the Bills Beat podcast here however you're listening to us whether it be SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. My name is Joe Bascalia. with me as always my co-host Matthew Fairburn and today the Buffalo Bills just wrapped up their third and final day of mandatory camp and so now they are done d u n no d o n e done, done. It, it is uh it's the long 6 week break that i think every nfl player kind of circles on their calendar it's is like the all right get yourself refreshed and ready because once once they're back it's it's for real so now the bills are in that portion of the year the coaches this is even a time where they kind of try and recharge their batteries and heck us media guys, too. I mean, it's, it's really that period of time where you don't think there's going to be a ton going on. Sometimes there is. Sometimes, most yeah, times sometimes there isn't. Sometimes
1: Aaron Cromer gets into dispute over lawn chairs. You yep. know, I mean, these things happen. And sometimes Kiko. Allegedly. Yeah, and sometimes Kiko Alonso uh, tears his ACL. Uh,
0: not allegedly. Not allegedly. <laughs> but for the most part, it's, it's the quiet time of the NFL calendar year. So, with that said, there are so many uh, different little things to get into here because now we have seen this version of the Bills practice six times the last three days consecutively. And really, it's our best chance to gauge where they are just from not even how good they'll be or anything like that, but where they are from you know, a roster standpoint, depth chart, rep chart. I'm sorry, Brian Dable. Um, it's not a depth chart. It's a rep chart it's pretty much that simple that's that that sums up the spring could you put that on my tombstone that would be wonderful um yeah and and really we're gonna dig hard into the quarterbacks because I think that's the most obvious play here where what fans want to know how how each of these guys look and um it's 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 certainly been I don't know if I'd use enlightening but it's definitely been informative over these past uh, few weeks watching these guys because you, you, you start to see some trends between them. And, you know, what I think, I think the right place to start here because it's the guy that everyone will be watching throughout it all is Josh Allen. Josh Allen did third-team offense all throughout the, the OTAs and then once mandatory minicamp around snuck in a first-team rep about, you know, a series about once a day. All in all, I thought he was he got a lot better as time went, but for the most part I thought he was kind of up and down and showed very much like a rookie. How about you?
1: Yeah, I don't think anything we saw, you know, necessarily sways your opinion one way or the other. Right. It being, you know, shorts and T shirts and Josh Allen, one of his strong points is how he looks in shorts and T shirts. I mean, <laughs> that's his thing. Um I thought he had some really good moments Mm -hmm. and showed a lot of what, you know, a lot of the high points that the Bills saw when they drafted him and seemed to, you know, make a favorable impression on his teammates. I mean, remember the tweets? Probably not because nobody seems to care about it. And that was really the one, you know, lingering question in terms of him being a leader was, you know, how are these guys going to... Respond after, you know, he, you know, had those tweets and, you know, everybody's wondering, is this guy going to be able to lead an NFL locker room, blah, blah, blah. That's not an issue. On the field, he had some big moments. I mean, today, finished up minicamp with a 70-yard touchdown to Austin Prol I mean, he had some of those big plays. He's throwing that 15, 20-yard out with ease, about as easy as I've seen any quarterback throw it since I've been here. And, He's also having some of the moments that make you realize that he does have a little ways to go. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know about you. I strongly prefer that to anything else I've seen at the position in the four previous years I've covered the team because the mistakes he is making are aggressive mistakes. Mm -hmm. And he's not making an aggressive mistake and then going into a shell for the rest of practice. He's making an aggressive mistake and coming right back and being aggressive again the next play. So I think that's how he's going to grow. I think that's how, you know, his progression is going to speed up is by being willing to make mistakes and being willing to try things and be aggressive and see what he can and can't get away with. And I think he got away with probably more than uh, he didn't this spring. Yeah, and
0: that's that's a good and a bad thing because – a lot of the times he did go up against, you know, guys that are probably not going to make the team at all. Throwing two guys that are probably not going to make the team at all. So, you know, uh, that that can be good and bad once they get to training camp. I honestly think they should up the amount of first-team reps he gets. Um, maybe not right out of the gate, but soon after getting out of the gate once they get to training camp. But to what you said, the, the not really... Uh, having a short-term memory on making those mistakes, like the one day... He threw it. Uh, he he stared down his target. Micah Hyde jumped it, and it became a tip drill. And it was it ended up being thrown into double coverage. And Tremaine Edmonds came down with the interception. I mean that that is a mistake that he can't make because and he was going against the first team defense. But having that short term memory is a good thing. And the last time the Bills really had that was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick, a, a lot less talented than Josh Allen in terms of a, from a raw perspective. So you know other than that since even since i've been covering the team uh, half halfway through the year in 2009 josh allen's really it from a, from meshing up those two standpoints the uh, the talent plus not really giving a hoot um, and just going for it so uh, there needs to be a healthy balance between everything but uh, i i'll tell you what i i think as practices went on you could tell him settling in a little bit more which was good from a Bill's perspective to see because they uh they weren't really they had a plan in place the whole time and you know they they could have diverted from that plan at any point and they they you know circled the mandatory mini camp as the one where they kind of ramp it up a little bit for him and, and got him going uh, with with some first team reps and they very well could have said you know what now is not the time. Um, if if he didn't show well throughout OTAs. But because he built that base and because he was getting himself going and and I think a lot of the times because Brian Dable was in his ear basically every time we we saw him on the field, I think I think it all kind of leads into one point that that they have done a solid enough job with him. Now it's can he turn the next corner? Which is the most important one. And really, they also have to ask themselves the question, what type of team, what type of offense are they going to have? If if you have an offense that is just horrid and an offensive line that, that can't block anybody, then is it necessarily in your best interest to play Josh Allen right away? And that leads into a discussion that we've had time and time again, but... You know, it's something they definitely need to consider. When, A, when is he ready? B, how is the team around him looking? Because even if he's ready and the team looks like garbage, then is are you running the risk of potentially ruining the progress that you've made throughout the spring and the summer? That That's, that's I think, the thing that they have to battle with most here.
1: Yeah, and it seems like, I mean... It's not like any other quarterback has done a ton to separate himself. And you're looking at a situation where there's a trusted, established veteran giving you the luxury of holding off on throwing the rookie into the fire. I think Nathan Peterman had a pretty decent spring. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought he looked better, uh, certainly looked better than he did, you know, in his two starts a year ago. Um, But still... It's Nathan Peterman, pads haven't come on, and we're not really sure you know, how much of that is going to translate and how much of it is going to continue to build uh, you know, into the summer. But I'm still of the belief that even if you do put Josh Allen in there, even if the offensive line doesn't look great or the receivers don't look great, that he's almost your preferred option if you're interested in, in winning because he can create. And we've seen them do a lot with him this spring on different designed runs and things of that nature. And I think he's the only quarterback they have that can handle that. Mm -hmm. I think he's the best of the three of making something out of nothing uh, in the pocket, but he also does still need a lot of work in the pocket as we saw in his final season at Wyoming. So everything we saw here in the spring doesn't really do us much good in terms of evaluating what type of, progress he's made in that area because there are no pass rushers uh, at least not live pass rushers and even camp will be somewhat limited in in showing us that it's going to be preseason games when bullets are flying and it's real action because we can hear all about how smart he is and how quickly he's picking up the playbook and how good of a leader he is and how good his arm is and all these things but You know, when they're in the preseason up against the Bengals or the Browns, whoever it may be, and there's pressure in the pocket, I think that's when you're going to learn, you know, can this guy handle being behind a less than perfect offensive line? Can he handle, you know, having subpar wide receivers? And if he can't, then you have to ease him in. And I would say eventually you're probably throwing him in anyways. So Mm -hmm. it might be a situation where you know, it's hard to keep them off the field because yeah. it's going to depend a lot on how A.J. McCarran and Nathan Peterman look in training camp and preseason.
0: Yeah, and you have to take everything from this week and the three weeks prior with a grain of salt because, like you pointed out, it is in t-shirt and shorts and a helmet. That's that's all they've got there, and, and there's no physicality whatsoever. And even though there wouldn't be a physicality towards the quarterback position there's still live blocking around him live pass rushing everything along those lines that where the, the internal clock gets sped up a little bit and that adrenaline gets going a little bit more it's not as a controlled atmosphere but from from an allen perspective you know there's there's just so much that they need to accomplish before they can ideally put him put in, him through the paces of actually being on the field and you know i from a from a selfish perspective i would like to see him as soon as possible and because i think he's the most interesting of the three i think fans want to see him more than anything and they just want to see if if this kid can play if if he can do it at the nfl level if that talent disparity at wyoming was the reason why he was held back a bit and if this whole completion percentage thing was a bit overblown but it all it all comes down to Sean. As always, all comes down to him because it seems he is at times incredibly stubborn and it really feels like that this plan that they keep referring to they're not really coming off it. And you could see it very easily even in OTA's. The most talented quarterback of the three. By a mile is Josh Allen, but even though that was so evident, you still didn't see Allen get those increased opportunities until minicamp came around, and even then they were they were slight.
1: So and he did pretty well with them. He did, except for the the pick. Right. Uh, to Edmonds. He also had the big play to Kelvin Benjamin. Right. And which he was, was the play right before it? You know, one of Nathan Peterman's been willing to put the. Receiver's in a position to make plays like that, but that was a refreshing use of Kelvin Benjamin that it feels like we just haven't seen a lot. Well, and he was injured a lot. He was injured, but like I said, Peterman's been willing to put the ball up there. McCarron, yes. not so much. But just knowing that he's you know 20-plus yards down the field and there's a quarterback who can get it there in a hurry... Uh, you know, to help him make a play, mm-hmm. I think is a, a refreshing element to the offense, and that's part of why you know I think Kelvin Benjamin is in a way an ideal receiver for Josh Allen, and you saw, you just get to see a brief glimpse of it, you know. So that's why you know, even at, back at the beginning of you know OTAs when we were talking, I was saying, let's see what he can do at the very least, because you know you're not talking about. Big time guys in front of him, and until somebody's running away with the job, you know, I think it's fair to, you know, give Josh Allen a chance to, as Sean McDermott even pointed out, get to know these other guys and see how he looks with those other guys, because it's not even just about how is he going to perform against the first team defense. It's maybe there's something there between him and Kelvin Benjamin that isn't there with the other quarterbacks, and maybe that's true. With Charles Clay or whoever else, I mean, they don't even have much else cemented in that first-team offense besides McCoy, Clay, and Benjamin. But maybe there's something there between him and Benjamin that, you know, needs more time. And if he doesn't get the time, then he's behind the eight ball by the the time he does get the job. I'll tell you who there is something between Josh
0: Allen and Austin Prohl. Yes. He he loves him some Austin Prohl. Even today, he ended minicamp with uh, a one-play... Drive down the seam where Proll just gave one move to Brian Borders and he was off to the races and and Allen put a perfect ball right on the money in stride. It's what uh, Brandon Bean's dreams are made of that type of throw and he was able to uh, he was able to go down for the end zone uh, to the end zone and that's how minicamp ended on on that high note from a an offensive perspective. But I'll tell you what. Prohl is cozying up to the right guy here because if he shows that sort of camaraderie with him in training camp and in the slightest bit, that's only going to up his stock, too, because they'll say, well, if Allen shows he can depend on this kid, then why wouldn't we go put him in there once we actually go to Josh Allen? I mean, it's all and this is less about Austin Prohl, but I mean, more to your point, he's finding his guys, finding his targets and finding those favorite targets and. It would be incredible. Um, for, it it would be incredible for from their perspective if Kelvin Benjamin could become one of his guys because I mean, with Josh Allen's ability and willingness to just throw it up, just
1: just about anywhere. He's got the arm. He's got that aggressiveness, and maybe his placement isn't perfect. But newsflash, Kelvin Benjamin's right. got freakishly long arms and humongous hands, and. Can correct some of that those placement issues,
0: and he has great timing on jumps, which is a very underrated part of his. Game. It all
1: comes very naturally to him, mm-hmm. and it seems basketball man. It seems you know very easy for him, and you know, sure he's not fast, and he's not always going to get a ton of separation, but everything else just seems you know he covers a lot of ground very quickly. Um, you know, as he's running around, I mean, he's. His leaping ability. I mean, he that catch he made that we're referring to was over Tre'Davious White, who, you know, is a pretty good corner. Mm-hmm. And you know, in talking to Tre'Davious White about it, he was like, "There is nothing I can do. That's just me being short." Which he's not even overly short. Kelvin Benjamin's just really, really tall. Yes. And so, I mean, if Kelvin Benjamin is healthy, maybe the concerns about this wide receiver position will end up being slightly overblown because you've got an experienced slot guy in Jeremy Curley and then a whole bunch of guys battling to potentially take Zay Jones's job mm. if he doesn't come back, you know, and and hit the ground running here in the summer. So, I think maybe the wide receiver concerns are a little bit overblown. I mean, you can only invest resources in so many spots at once, and they did a lot to make sure they got a quarterback and so you know when you do that and then you go out and get a franchise linebacker like Tremaine Edmonds it doesn't leave you with a ton of resources left to you know go get a wide receiver who's going to make an impact because Mm -hmm. any guy they would have picked in the third round where they picked Harrison Phillips that guy's probably just one of the guys that's mixing in right now so I think there's a lot of anxiety in the fan base over the wide receiver position which is probably warranted but there wasn't any point in the offseason where I looked and said, oh, there's an obvious option for them to to upgrade there.
0: You also can't put the cart before the horse, too, because right. you have to make sure that you have a quarterback before you go investing huge resources into the wide receiver position. And quite frankly, I mean, this is a point that we made on the podcast in the build up to the draft. They spent a second-round pick on Zay Jones the year before, and they spent a, a pick from this past draft on Kelvin Benjamin. A third-rounder. Yeah. So
1: they did put the resources. Exactly. And you can't. Continue and they use those first round picks on what I think everybody would consider the two biggest needs yes. heading into the offseason. Yep. So that's where, sure, did wide receiver maybe get neglected in a way? Sure, but I don't think it was something where, you know, they looked at their wide receiver depth chart and said, oh, yeah, we got a ton of stars here. They just said there are more pressing needs. Mm-hmm. And with the way the draft lined up, it made more sense to take those shots and like you said you're not gonna you know back up the brinks truck in free agency for the wide receiver position before you even know who's going to be your quarterback we've seen that show
0: before and it wasn't in from a free agency perspective it was you know doug whaley trading away a a first round pick for uh, for sammy watkins an additional first round pick i should say and not knowing if ej was going to hit i mean there is an argument to be made about whether or not you find out by giving him the best talent possible, but he also could have pr- picked a pretty darn good receiver just by, just by waiting. I mean, I like Sammy Watkins a lot. I think he's extremely talented, but uh, the, the idea of not knowing if the quarterback is the guy – and even they were hesitant about picking him in the first place. Otherwise, they would have picked him in their original slot. <laughs> so, yeah. So so that's that's kind of the way you have to think as an NFL GM because if you miss on that quarterback, then you're going to have to continue to try and figure out other ways to win.
1: And look at the money that the wide receivers got in free agency. I yeah. mean, it was a ridiculous year Except in, for Jordan in that Matthews. regard. Except for Jordan <laughs> Matthews. I mean, but we all got a pretty good glimpse of you know, what he brought to the table last year. Um, And again, that leads to the point of the fact that, yes, I know Anquan Bolden abruptly retired, but they went to training camp without Anquan Bolden, without Kelvin Benjamin, and without Jordan Matthews. And so there is time for them to add a stopgap type of player. But in the meantime, you know, some I mean, that second wide receiver spot, basically everybody's gotten reps there. Cam mm-hmm. Phillips, undrafted from Virginia Tech. Robert Foster, undrafted from Alabama. Austin Prol, who you mentioned, has been up there. Brandon Riley has been up there. Malachi Dupree was up there I before he got hurt. I don't think there's a
0: receiver there that hasn't right, taken Streeter, a rep. Andre time. Holmes, yeah. they've
1: all gotten yeah. a shot. And they're all kind of in the same bucket, uh, in, in a way. So... If, he ha- if a guy hasn't gotten reps in that spot, he's probably been in the slot. You know, Ray-Ray McLeod. But Curley's been getting most of the first team run as the slot receiver. So it's really that outside spot opposite Benjamin that's open, and it's kind of being just saved for Zay Jones, you would think. I mean... Every, uh,
0: literally everyone on the wide receiver depth chart has mixed in with the first team at some point. In yeah, the I mean, Cam Phillips has
1: mostly been with the third team, but they've even thrown him up there right. once in a while. So. Right. I think it creates an interesting discussion at the position because, you know, you mentioned Austin Prohl developing a chemistry with the right guy could be a tiebreaker when, and it's not even that they're going to sit there and say, well, Josh Allen has a great chemistry with Austin Prohl. Austin Prohl is going to make more plays because he has that chemistry. right That's, you know, and that's how you stand out. I mean, it's how Brandon Riley snuck onto the practice squad last year because You know, he developed a chemistry with Nathan Peterman and they made a lot of plays together in the preseason. And I think when you do that, you know, it's a lot easier to stand out. You know coaches are going to be glued to Josh Allen's every move. So if you're the one making the plays and making him look good, you know, that doesn't hurt your cause. But you're still looking at Curly Benjamin, Zay Jones are all probably locks for the roster at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, As long as Curly doesn't really screw up in camp because he's getting a ton of run with the first team. He's a vet. He's also doing well with it, too. Right. There's always a chance that, you know, he could fall out of favor and, you know, get cut, but it seems like they like what he brings to the table, and so, you know, it depends how many they want to keep, but you're looking at Ray-Ray McLeod, Austin Prohl, Brandon Riley, Malachi Dupre, I mean, a lot of guys who have shown brief glimpses, and, you know, they can't keep all of them, and that's not even mentioning Andre Holmes and Rod Streeter, and Holmes is probably pretty safe for the roster, given his special teams ability, so... And he's making some plays. So, I mean, a lot of these younger guys, maybe they end up being practice squad guys or, or whatever else. But it's funny because they're all getting first-team reps. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about guys who might end up being on the practice squad.
0: Right. Let's get into the the two other quarterbacks here a bit because we talked at length about Allen, briefly brought up Peterman and, and McCarron. But I to me, it was clear as day through uh, in the six that we saw. Now, we saw... Six out of what is it, 13 total, there was 10 OTAs and three ma- mandatory mini camp practices. So we saw six of 13. <clears throat> and outside of the very first practice, very first OTA that, that we witnessed, where, you know, Nathan Peterman was not that great, um, I thought Peterman was one of the better players out there uh, uh, throughout. OTA the final parts of OTAs and minicamp, I thought that his progression as it kind of went on. I mean, he was he was feeling it like, and I think not today because he didn't get as much work today because a lot of the the first team guys didn't really work a lot. But on day one and day two of minicamp, he was feeling it like he was just. And some of these were third-down situations, but still. I mean, he was just chucking it up there. He was letting his receivers go make a play. He was putting the ball in a wonderful spot, uh, uh, you know, nine times out of ten. I mean, it really seems like he has embraced this new playbook. It seems like he's understood it. You know, I see him every single day after practice out there with running backs and wide receivers getting additional work in, trying to learn the playbook. I mean, heck, even... I did. I did a story on Andy Smigera, who's a who's a local kid um, that is trying to make it to the NFL. He's a safety out of Robert Morris. But when he was working out down uh, down at, in Elma, I mean Peterman was there working with with other NFL types like Luke Tasker or uh, CFL, I should say, Luke Tasker and and some others that were there. And it's like he's he's really trying to do everything he can to uh, to cement something. And I'll tell you what, I think he massively outplayed A.J. McCarron. Like I, I don't even think it was close between the two. Peterman was more aggressive, he was more accurate, and you know, the fact that McCarron was essentially maybe not unwilling is the wrong word, but hesitant to to throw the ball down the field past like fifteen yards outside of a do-or-die situation That spoke volumes to me, and and Bills fans have seen that show. They've seen that song and dance. And if that's what he's going to be in a minicamp, what the heck is he going to be in preseason? So uh, that's why I was a bit more impressed with Peterman than McCarron.
1: Yeah, this is not the first time we've had a three-way quarterback competition here, and I liken A.J. McCarron. He's starting to remind me a lot of Matt Castle. He's the guy that you bring in that... You know, everybody kind of expects, especially on the outside, people expect this is the guy who's supposed to win the job. You know, you, you bring him in, he's the veteran, you know, he's got the most experience of the group, and but he's also playing like Matt Castle did that spring and summer, which was kiss of death, which was <laughs> just like, same thing, not taking a lot of chances, not really standing out in a particularly bad way, but definitely not standing out in a really good way either so just a lot of you know straight Jagged yeah he's just a guy and i don't know if that's a perfect comparison but it's what i was reminded of watching him this spring and if that continues into the summer like you mentioned i mean if it's if you're in shorts and, and t-shirts and you're not willing to let loose a little bit and and try try some things out. Then what are you doing? Then I don't know that you're going to do it when pads come on or when bullets are flying in the preseason and look, they didn't pay a lot of money for this guy. He's never been a full-time starter in the NFL, so they're not just going to hand him the job. They you could argue that they've invested more in Nathan Peterman in a way, even mm-hmm. if it's only a 5th round pick. They invested a lot of their time in Nathan Peterman last year, and I think that means something to them. That he's a guy that, despite everything that happened, they believe in, and he's starting to show some signs of improvement. And he's going to need to do it when pads come on, and you know, in preseason games. But Nathan Peterman has a legitimate chance to win the starting job. He as, does. as crazy as that may sound, and it certainly won't play well publicly if your number 7 overall pick can't beat out Nathan Peterman just given the perception surrounding Peterman after his rookie year but the way he's playing it's going to depend how Sean McDermott's feeling uh, you know other things we talked about if he's feeling you know not willing to take that chance with the rookie Peterman has been good enough where he could justify that so mm-hmm. far it's still pretty early but he's definitely Shown some improvement. He's still, in a lot of ways, who he is. I mean, he'll miss some passes high. Uh, I feel like that's a common problem he's had. And, you know, we'll see what happens with a pass rush and everything else. But I feel like he has a good command of this offense early. And he took that seriously. And not to say any of the other guys didn't or AJ McCarron didn't. It's just maybe this is just who AJ McCarron is. And Mm -hmm. hey, maybe when. Things ramp up and the competition gets serious, a different competitive fire will come out of them. But the competition already started. You know, it's underway. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Peterman probably has the upper hand at the moment when you consider everything. But if they start giving Josh Allen a chance, he may, you know, work himself into the mix as well because it's hard to judge him when he's going against threes, but he's. The most impressive plays of the spring, the ones you'll remember, most of them were Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few were Nathan Peterman here and there, and there was one AJ McCarran at, at some point. He was making; he did throw up a couple prayers that that ended up working out. It
0: was day two; it was the very last play of a two, of a one minute drill, and he just chucked it up to Rod Streeter, and Streeter came down with it. Yeah. So, it was the last second; the time ran out.
1: Right, and that was the drill. If he didn't do that, it was over. So, mm-hmm. um, I think. All in all, Josh Allen still has the most intrigue uh, of all these guys, which is what you would hope. I mean, that's why you draft him in the top 10. But Peterman's right there, and he's not going away quietly. And this is, I mean, who knows if they keep all three? Right. And if they don't, then A.J. McCarron could be the odd man out. If Nathan, Exactly
0: right. If Nathan Peterman beats A.J. McCarron, is McCarron really going to be your backup going in? Going into the season, like if you're not giving the well, job to and, Josh Allen right away, I'm saying and, and Peterman just beats up McCarron straight away, what what what's, what's the what's the unless you're
1: intent on keeping Josh Allen off the field and you want him as the number three quarterback, but I don't know that his play is going to allow you to do that. Right. And then at that point, you're asking yourself, do we really need our thir- a third quarterback? And if not, what are we doing here with, with AJ? So
0: and what's more important is it uh, having AJ McCarron on as a as uh, to be the backup so to speak or or would you be better off by trying to develop Nathan Peterman further if he's shown a little bit of a spark like he did throughout the spring workouts and if that continues into summer wouldn't you almost rather continue to try to develop him as a long-term backup than you know have AJ McCarron there i mean you would have to uh, you would have to Dish out an additional 1.9 mil, and they could do it as a post June 1st exemption, and 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 you know push it to next year or whatnot. But that said, I mean, there, this is there's there's a legitimate case to be made to cut ties with AJ McCarron if his yeah, play not, does not warrant it. He's, he's not he's,
1: guaranteed. Yeah, a he's not untouchable for by any means, and that's what his contract would suggest. Mm-hmm. And certainly not guaranteed much of anything beyond one year. Mm-hmm. And So I think he's probably the only one of the three. He is, I would think, the only one of the three that is playing for a roster spot. I don't know that they would outright cut Peterman, especially the way he's playing right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out, especially when it comes to how they divide the reps because that's going to tell you how legitimate a chance they're giving Josh Allen to actually win this job. And I remember... A few years ago heading into training camp again three-way quarterback competition Tyrod Taylor was kind of a little bit of an afterthought it was like we all kind of knew he was the most exciting of the group and was showing the most flashes of potential the wonder was are they gonna act are they gonna let this guy win the job because it was clear that the competition was set up giving Castle and EJ Manuel you know the best chance to win the job but Tyrod went out and wrestled it away Mm -hmm. josh allen's probably going to have to do the same thing and you know if he's going to end up starting so i think he has the ability to do it and i think he's starting to you know really earn some of the the trust and respect of his teammates and that may end up being the big thing because we know how important sean mcdermott thinks that is and i think that's going to be something that they're keeping a close eye on as they get into the real grind that is training camp as opposed to just you know otas and mini camp
0: i'm going to give you a day where i think this will be the day that josh allen gets more work with the first team offense tuesday july 31st the bills will have is that pirate day no it is not pirate day i wish it was pirate day um the bills will have practiced four times by then they will be in full pads and the day before Tuesday, July thirty-first, they have off, and July thirty-first also closed to the public. So, with him getting his feet wet a little bit, which is interesting, they haven't really had many practices close to. The no, public. they haven't, and that, yeah, that's maybe they're they're trying to install some more offense sort of thing, and you know, maybe, maybe it's just in a whole game. I'm assuming they're
1: not kicking us out of that practice. No,
0: we we see everything, so which is nice. Because that's that, going to be an interesting.
1: That's a, a new wrinkle in the along with, probably not the most interesting wrinkle. The theme days are really the theme the days most...
0: are yes. I mean, it's. I will say Tuesday, July thirty first is a day shy of Princess and Superhero Day on Wednesday, August first. So man, there's some there's some interesting stuff. They've got two straight theme days. They've got Pirate Day, which is very exciting. You, this is the second time you brought up <laughs> Pirate Day, so I'm I'm f- under the full belief that that you will be. I will dress Dejected up as Steve the pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Uh, yeah, there's Christmas in July on Sunday, July 29th. Uh, there's there the, the themes are. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they're
1: going for, but I'm here for it. Yeah, you know. I'm I'm very interested to see Pirate Day. Yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, they're all gonna be a treat, and <laughs> I think everybody's mostly looking forward to the. Josh Allen gets first team reps theme day. Yeah, because that's really where uh, people are gonna get it. It's gonna be the Josh Allen show every single day there. But gotta give them props for spicing it up with some some themes. They've no, they have not done that. Before. Hang on a minute.
0: The only they all their theme days are eight forty five in the morning practices. If it, hey, listen, if you come to St. John Fisher College on Tuesday, August fourteenth at 8 30 in the morning dressed up as a pirate man
1: kudos to you we might have to have you on the podcast yeah that that might be <laughs> i don't a know how many people are going to be dressed up as pirates at 8 30 in the morning who is are they going
0: to be dressing up the uniforms
1: as pirates is is that is part Sean of it? gonna walk around as a pirate <laughs> will terry come out uh and pirate garb <laughs> will terry have a parrot on, on his shoulder Oh my goodness! Uh, it's very vague. It's very vague. quite vague, and the fact and it's that it's not like you can say, "Oh, if you dress up as a pirate, you get in for free," because you get in for free anyway. And they're not night practices, right? So <laughs> that's another thing with this uh,
0: with this training camp schedule. No, uh, no night practices outside of the very first day, which is
1: not a super late one either, is it? Or is that one? That's five thirty p.m. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, they they used to have those quite frequently which makes you wonder when they'll sprinkle in a scrimmage or something along those lines, maybe right. when they go back to Orchard Park. I think that's which probably was, it. didn't work out last year because of the weather. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're almost at that time. Uh, and that's when we're going to start to learn a little bit about mm-hmm. how serious they are about letting this kid have a shot to win this job. Which they should. I think they should. I mean, we've talked about it before, and... It's a it's something where you don't draft somebody seventh overall and not at least give them a chance. And that's not to say that you force them onto the field, but I think giving them a fair chance to win the job, it, you know, should be. I mean, even the Cardinals are giving Josh Rosen a shot to beat out Sam Bradford, which is, you know, if, if the Bills had a Sam Bradford level quarterback in here, you could talk me into the fact that Josh Allen needs to sit no matter what. But even with that, and even with the Jets having Bridgewater and McCown, they're throwing Darnold into the mix. So I think given what's in front of him and given how he's played, Josh Allen deserves a shot.
0: Mm-hmm. I would tend to agree. All right, deep dive time before we we bid you adieu. Um, we'll, we'll be podcasting as we kind of go on. I mean, both the, Matthew and I have some uh, – uh, going away vacations sprinkled in between now and the start of training camp, so it might not be an every every week ordeal, but, but we'll we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep you we'll keep you in mind. We'll talk some bills and some other stuff too. Um, all right, deep dive into the roster right now. Give me a player on offense and a player on defense that kind of caught your eye throughout these six practices throughout the spring. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and there's, there's a lot of candidates because uh, things are kind of wide open at, uh, at one
1: spot. And, you know, there's a lot of movement um, along the offensive line, too. So who's one guy on offense? You first. Yeah, you know, we've mentioned a ton of the wide receivers. So I'll steer away from them because, you know, they've been a big focus. And we hit on a lot of those guys. One guy that I'm very curious to go back into my notes and just tally it all up, um, but it seems like Marcus Murphy caught like a hundred passes this <laughs> spring because I was writing his number down. Hang on, all the time. M I Z. He is a Mizzou man. I'm just kidding. Uh, he is Mizzou made, but uh, he was he's a really interesting case to me because I think you know I don't expect him to be a primary backup or anything along those lines, but the depth chart at running back is pretty crowded. I think there's obviously a spot for you know, LaShawn McCoy to lead the team in carries by a considerable margin. Chris Ivory brings something different to the table, so he's probably a guy that's in the mix. And then Traveris Cadet, Tywan Jones, and Marcus Murphy all kind of are in the same mold. Mm -hmm. I thought Cadet looked pretty good this spring coming off the injury, but if you're telling me I have to choose between Tywan Jones and Marcus Murphy— I think I'm choosing Marcus Murphy, the way he played this spring. They were lining him up at wide receiver. Also, Murphy
0: is below 30. (laughs) He is,
1: which makes him a rarity uh, in that backfield. He can also play special teams uh, and return kicks. So not expecting him to be a breakout star or anything like that. I just thought he's everywhere. They're Mm -hmm. putting him at wide receiver. They're putting him with all three teams, first team, second team, and third team getting him on the field sometimes that's a good sign sometimes it's a bad sign but i think he just he was catching a lot of passes and you know they were giving him the ball quite a bit and i'm interested to see how the backfield shakes out behind mccoy and ivory because all three of those guys you know have a little. two of them are coming off injury cadet and taiwan jones and they all bring a little bit of the same thing to the table yeah
0: um, my, I'll go with, I'll stay away from wide receiver as well. I'll go with Keith Tobridge, uh, the tight end. Had a
1: couple nice plays today,
0: right? And and even before that, all through OTAs, I thought he was always kind of standing out, very consistent target, no matter what, um, where he was on the old rep chart. Um, but I think big fella, he, he's a big guy and he can move too, which is, I mean, he's six foot five, two hundred sixty-two pounds, biggest of the bunch from a, you know, from a weight perspective. So. I, I, you know, they, they hung on to him after he got injured last year and they and they kept him, they could have very easily did an injury settlement with him, but but they hung on to him for a reason, I think. And they must have liked what they saw a little bit early on last year and and I, I'm interested to see what he does when training camp comes back because, you know, I have not been impressed by Jason Kroon. I have not been impressed by Kari Lee and Logan Thomas has been injured, which has opened up an opportunity for a guy like Tobridge to really kind of shine here. So, I think that third tight end spot is a little bit more open than, than maybe we might think because Logan Thomas had multiple opportunities last year to get on the field and he did not. And there, there must be some reason that they were not putting him on the field. And they even made him inactive, I think a game or two in favor of Kari Lee. And Kari Lee is not really that good. So um, I, I I wonder if Towbridge might be in in line to steal a spot here with at number three. All right, how about on the defensive side? Who who you got
1: on defense? It, there was there were quite a few guys I thought that you know were, I mean the whole. I'll stay away from the the starting defense because I just thought yeah. they they look really good, uh, and I think you know those are all guys that are gonna you know have a chance to. Really take their game up. And I feel like the defense is going to be a lot better this year. But Levi Wallace was a depth corner who kept kind of moving up. Uh, An undrafted guy out of Alabama, a little bit on the, uh, you know, skinny side, a little bit undersized. Buck Uh, 79. However,
0: 33 inch long arms. Yeah, he's
1: long, and I think he's a fit. And I think they see that. And I think at outside cornerback, Mm -hmm. the depth isn't great at the moment. I think. I've, I'm really interested in the competition at nickel between Philip Gaines and Taryn Johnson, as well as what they're going to do at big nickel uh, with Saran Neal. Uh, I believe Dean Marlowe was mm-hmm. working into that mix. I mean, they've ha- they have a few candidates there. But, yeah, I thought Levi Wallace sort of, you know, jumped out compared to the fact that, you know, he's undrafted and everything else. And he's in a talented, talented secondary And he's climbing the ladder a bit and making a case to stick around. And Sean loves him. Yes. Sean loves him. Mentioned him him by name, the one uh, at rookie camp.
0: Um, He's already passed by Bray on Borders, uh, which is at least somewhat surprising because they believed in Borders enough to bring him onto the active roster last year. But, you know, Wallace has been showing well so far. Again, shorts, T-shirt, helmet. So we have to see what happens because things – Especially for a slighter guy like that, when they get a little bit more physical, we have to see if he can stand the test. Excuse me. I was actually going to say Levi (laughs) Wallace. Wow, here we go again. I was going to say Levi Wallace. But I think outside of Levi Wallace, one guy that that stood out to me in terms of moving up the depth chart a bit was uh, one guy that you also kind of mentioned, D. Marlowe. I don't think Saran Neal is locked in as that fourth safety. I really do not. I mean... Maybe Raphael Bush is locked in as as the third safety. I'm I, I'm a little bit more convinced about that than I am Saran Neal. But I look at Dean Marlowe. I mean, he is another long defender. He's very strong, very um, an imposing force. He moves really well out there. He, he's really caught their eye by putting himself in the right position a lot of the times. And you know, he's uh, he's uh, you know just watching the, the defensive backs work and and seeing their. Uh, their positional coach you know be very complimentary of him and always and always talking with him I I, I think Marlowe has a chance if if he can capitalize on on a good spring to potentially even crack into the roster now there's there's not going to be a ton of uh, spots around just just to grab I mean this is we're talking about two maybe three bubble spots by the end of it all but I I think he's firmly in the competition for one of those spots and uh, you know, him getting up to the second-team defense by the end of minicamp is certainly um, conducive of of thinking that, that he has caught their eye a little bit, certainly more than either of the McRae safeties.
1: Yeah, and I think, like I mentioned, if he can prove suitable for that big nickel spot, then all of a sudden, you know, that opens up a legitimate role mm-hmm. for him. And same goes for Saran Neal if he steps up. I mean... He seemed a little lost this he, week, and they're throwing a lot at him. They are because
0: I didn't mean that as a as a like a really uh, strong thing against him. It but it just seemed like he the rookie part was kind of
1: eating him up a little. And that's bit. you know almost by design. This is a guy who played linebacker, cornerback, and safety in college, and they're putting him at safety, but also giving him a chance to be that you know, big nickel that they used in Carolina, which they didn't really use last year. Mm -hmm. And today, you know, Sean McDermott didn't necessarily commit to using one. He basically, you know, but they're open to it and they're looking at a few guys for that role. And I think that's going to be the path to the roster, assuming that Raphael Bush is safe as the third safety. That might be your path to the roster as the fourth safety if you can prove that you can fill that role, which, you know allows you to cover bigger slot receivers or come off the edge. I mean, they ask a lot of, of that guy, you know, Shaq Thompson did it in Carolina. Um, But I'm interested to see if they do use it, um, which we might see a bit in games or maybe more as the pads come on in training camp. And if they do, you know how that rotation looks for them.
0: I mean, if Sharice Wright made it safely to the roster last year as a veteran addition in free agency then i think rafael bush will probably be okay yeah he's been I, that's that's my take. i
1: think they need some semblance of reliable veteran depth yes. behind you know in the event that Poyer or Hyde gets injured, right, and then maybe the fourth guy can be a versatile guy that can move around a little bit, which is also probably why Philip Gaines will probably be safe too by the end of it. And
0: even if he doesn't have a,
1: a starting role, again, as the even if you throw four corners out there, you know you can throw Taron Johnson and Philip Gaines out there as, as slot corners. So I think having a couple guys competing there isn't a bad thing at all, uh, and say, I, the whole defense, I think, I'm interested to see how the line looks, how they start to come together, because mm-hmm. plenty of question marks there with new additions and uh, some aging pieces and Shaq Lawson, you know, kind of caught in, you know, the mix of it all and maybe not really having a spot. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and how about the
0: comeback of John Miller?
1: Yeah, John Miller has first team right guard without the much The Offensive competition. line, that's sort of a, you know, a non story almost because everybody, it's set in stone, it looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got, you know, Deion Dawkins at left tackle, Vlad Dukas at left guard, John Miller at right guard, Jordan Mills at right tackle, and they haven't really moved away from that. Uh, the only two guys rotating are Russell Bodine and Ryan Groy. Mm-hmm. So I think the offensive line looks pretty set in stone, and it just goes to show you that. Every coach sees something different in a guy, and John Miller kind of has a new lease on life. And he was a third-round pick once upon a time, so and he did play well his sophomore season. He did. So he was injured a lot last year, and I think he's a guy that that could, you know, bounce back. Maybe the offense again, like wide receiver. Maybe the offensive line isn't as bad as it looks. I mean, Dukas was fine last year. If Dawkins makes a jump, left tackle should be okay. And Jordan Mills has been Jordan Mills. He's. <laughs> Okay, he's not great. He's not terrible. Uh, he's a veteran, um, he's, and he—he's
0: more so neighboring terrible than he is good. If
1: you had to pick one, you <laughs> maybe you would do that. But he was one of my lowest rated guys. He's last a year. very, very nice guy. Yeah, um, really nice but guy. That doesn't really—you don't protect a quarterback by being very nice. No, um, certainly not. You can't throw compliments at a at an edge rusher and expect him to lay off your quarterback. But you could try. You could, it's it's a strategy worth trying. <laughs> I think he's fine. He's yeah. okay. And ultimately, they'll want to upgrade. But if John Miller bounces back, all of a sudden your line's not looking terrible. It's certainly not great. But uh, I think you know they're in a position to be okay there. And hey, the sooner you get. A five and stick with them, the better off you are. Yep, totally right.
0: All right, that's going to do it for us on on uh, this episode of the Bills Beat. Uh, we will talk to you. Let's let's reconvene next week, and I don't know what we're going to get into, but we'll, we'll get into something. Maybe Pirate Day a little bit more. That'll be good. Ooh,
1: maybe we could do that giveaway. We're getting close. If we, people we, go, we could we could set um, that up. If we, I think we settled on. I can't remember if it was Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer and the Bills jerseys seem to be the two consensus. And we're supposed to meet up with Buffalo Wins when he's in town this summer to retrieve said jerseys in exchange for adult beverages. You didn't didn't even tell uh, me this plan. This is what he told me. So if he's listening, uh, hopefully he stays true to his word when he's in Buffalo. So. Uh, we've, I've never met Buffalo Winston. Me neither. So I'm, I, I'm I mean, excited about I, it. Yeah, I've, I've told him. I mean, we,
0: we tried to link up at, at some point, and then I think some, some sort of news item got in the way. Anyway. He had a
1: few random ones, and Jake Plummer will also be in the mix. if Just leave a comment on iTunes was, I believe, how yeah. we um, set it up. Same as last time. I think we've got like 50-something comments on there. Mm-hmm. We'll keep it open until whenever we record and we'll yeah. we'll get we'll start we'll give away one at a time we'll also, draw it up maybe that's how we'll yeah. fill the time in the summer
0: also make sure if you're leaving a comment on on Apple Podcasts uh, make sure you use your Twitter account that so yeah, that so that, so, so that, that way we know helps. who the heck
1: you are yeah otherwise yeah it but most people probably haven't done that some people have but right. um And we appreciate you. Yeah. Last time um, the person had to, they found me on Twitter. So that also (laughs) works. My DMs are open. Secret of the podcast. Ooh. uh, If you ever want to jump in there. But yeah, definitely helps if you leave your Twitter handle because it helps us uh, figure out who you are. Yes. And get you the The goods. The the goods. The (laughs) contraband. (laughs) All right. So uh, we will next talk to you sometime next
0: week, probably later in the week. Uh, But yeah, minicamp is done. Training camp in a month and a half. Here we come. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy the, uh, the 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 break. But then once we get to football season, we're right back to it. All right, that's gonna do it for us. My name is Joe Pascalia For Matthew Fairburn, we will talk to you next week. See ya.